Well, several years ago, me and Shana, when we first got married, she was working a corporate job up in Illinois, and we're living on a ministry budget, so we didn't have much money at all. And one of her coworkers uh, was talking to her and said, hey, I've got this side hustle thing that I do, and I really think you guys are newly married. I know your husband's in ministry. You don't have you know, much money at all. Like You should really look into it as supplemental income. And she just kept saying, yeah, this is this thing I do, and you know, maybe you should find out more about it. And just wasn't giving us all the details about it, but said, hey, why don't you come to this thing? Come hear this presentation at this hotel on a Friday night. And so we're like, okay, maybe this is one of the ways that we can provide for our family, whatever it is. So we show up to this hotel and it's a big room and they go ahead and lay out the whole presentation and just so many times along the way as they're explaining what it would actually take to do this side hustle to be a part of it, I just kept finding in my heart, nope, nope, nope. And then finally, as soon as we can, when they gave us an opportunity to respond, me and Shana looked at each other and we said, we're out. <laughs> Once we heard the terms and conditions, it's like, no, 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 that's not, we don't believe in that. The company, we're not like going to support. And so we, we just said, we're out. And I felt like, you know, the Shark Tank moment kind of felt cool for one, like for at least a single time in my life to be able to be presented a deal and to go, I'm out. For those reasons, I'm out. So I felt like Shark Tank uh, doing that a little bit. But we're going to be having uh, this morning the message that we're going to be talking about and the text that we're looking about, looking at, is a man who has a conversation with Jesus. And he really comes to Jesus and asks such a profound question, which is about following Jesus and about being saved. And once he hears all the conditions that Jesus presents to him, he goes, I'm out. For that reason, I'm out. And if you have your Bibles with me, turn with me to Luke 18. We're going to be starting in verses 18, looking at this conversation. You can uh, turn on your phones or grab a Bible in a seat back in front of you and then turn to Luke 18 and verse 18. It says this, a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness and honor your parents. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell everything that you have, distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. It says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. So he comes to Jesus and asks him a profound question about having eternal life, about following Jesus. And he calls him good teacher, recognizing that there's something about Jesus that was divine. And he calls him good teacher. And when Jesus presents the conditions of following him, the guy goes, I'm out for that reason. See, we're in a series that is called Make Room, which is all about what does it look like to actually make room for more of God in our lives? Because I don't know about you, but you'll find that in life sometimes, if you're a believer and maybe you're trying to follow Jesus, that it's easy to begin to see different things in our lives over time, take up the room and the space that God intends to fill in our lives. And before you know it, those things begin to push out more and more of God out of our, out of our lives. And in this season, we're simply saying, what would it look like for us, for every single one of us, no matter where you're at? Maybe for you, you're coming into this space. You're saying, I'm not even, even a believer. I don't know about this Jesus thing. And you have things in your life as well that could be obstacles to following Jesus to experiencing all that he wants for you. And so as we're diving into making room, we're simply asking, what does it look like for us to make room in our lives for more of God? 
In week one last week, Pastor Josh talked about why we don't make room in our lives for God and gave us several reasons why that is. And today, I just want to ask this question. What does it actually take for us to make room for God? Like if we're, if we're going to surrender some things to him and go deeper in our faith and experience all of what he wants to do in our lives, what does it actually look like? What is it going to take? What are the conditions? If you're taking notes this morning, the main idea is simply this, that making room for God requires addressing what's really taking up room in my life. Making room for God requires that I actually address the things that are taking up room in my life and pushing God more and more out of my life. And I want to invite us all to make room for God. Would you pray with me? Father, we just pause right now to ask that you would speak to us. God, as we enter into this conversation with you really over the next 25, 30 minutes as we're going to be uh, hearing what you have to say to us. And I pray that you would just call things to mind that might be those obstacles in the way that are keeping us from making room for you and experiencing more of you and maybe even experiencing a relationship with you. I pray that you would reveal those things to us. And God, I pray that you would help me to just step out of the way this morning. Would you speak to me first? And then would I just speak out of the overflow of that? Not my words, but God, what you want to speak to us this morning and anything that is not from me, I just pray right now that you just remove that from me and allow me to just faithfully convey your truth and your message this morning. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. So the holidays are coming up. Anybody excited about that? Thanksgiving is less than two weeks away. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you've been making plans already. I've been like, in my free time, kind of looking up, smoking a turkey and making plans for how I'm going to do it this year better than I did it last year. And I'm excited about that. And many of us are going to be having uh, family get-togethers or maybe even getting together with some friends, doing some Friendsgiving. And in all these get-togethers that we'll be having over the holidays, everybody knows when you haven't seen people in a long time and you get together with them, there is one rule that you do not break. And the rule is this, don't talk about anything controversial. We're going to leave politics out of it. If they went through a breakup, don't mention that at all. If they've been online, if Uncle Bobby's been on Facebook, and you know it's Facebook because he's older. If he's been on Facebook posting some crazy conspiracy theories, you're not going to bring it up. Everybody knows when you have a get-together and you want things to go well, you're just not going to talk about some of the controversial things that you can bring up. And so many of our get-togethers are going to have elephants in the room. Whether it's politics and man, the election is coming up, you know, the elections are coming up next year or whatever it is. Somebody just went through a breakup. It's like the elephant in the room that nobody's going to talk about. We're just going to step around it and pretend like it's not there and avoid it at all costs. And yet it's presence in the room sometimes is so dominating, so obvious, and we're just going to avoid it. And in this conversation that Jesus is having with this rich man who came to him and asked this question, I just love that Jesus is not afraid to address the elephant in the room. Except in his case, it's not an elephant, it's a camel. What do I mean by that? If you're taking notes this morning, what does it take to actually make room for God in your life? Number one is to address the camel in the room. Take a look at uh, verse 21 with me. It says, all these things I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus now seeing that he becomes sad said, how difficult it is for those who have great wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, I know that there's some different theories about how to interpret this text in the eye of a needle. Some have said that it's referring to a gate that they had back in the day going into the city that you'd have to squeeze camel through, camels through. And actually, the first reference to that gate isn't until centuries later. So I believe that what Jesus is talking about here is a literal eye of a needle and talking about a camel and presenting this impossible obstacle that somebody would have to overcome in the situation of this man in order to follow him. Jesus addresses the camel in the room and the reality is that this guy maybe actually had a few camels because it says that he was extremely, extreme, extremely wealthy and rich and Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter because it is a matter of the heart. Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter because it's a matter of a heart. See, the problem wasn't that this man had a lot of wealth. The problem was that his wealth had him. And Jesus realized that until he could let go off of this wealth that had a hold on his heart, he would never be able to treasure Jesus and to obey Jesus and to follow him. And so he addresses the camel in the room. And camels back in that day were like the pickup truck that people used to move all their wealth around and symbolize just the wealth that this man had. And so what Jesus is doing is just painting such a powerful image that everybody listening would have heard camel and they would have associated that with wealth and they would have seen the big obstacle that it's presenting for this man when it comes to following Jesus. And he could never follow Jesus until he surrendered the camel in his life until he addressed the camel in his room. And here's the reality. You might be listening to that right now and you're like, okay, camel, whatever, that's all ancient. Doesn't apply to me. But listen, we all have camels in our lives. We all have camels. Every single one of us. For some of us, it's like the man in the story. Obviously, it's our wealth and our possessions that become the obstacle in the way of following Jesus. It becomes a thing that's taken up all of our time and energy pushing God more and more out of our lives. But for some of us, maybe it's not your wealth. Maybe it's the hobby that you spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money on, and it's taken up space in your life that God wants to fill. Maybe the hobby is the camel in your life. Maybe for some of us, it's just the lifestyle that we have, and we want our freedom to travel, to do whatever it is. And by the way, none of those things are bad, but we're talking about things in our lives that can become obstacles and can begin to take up the space that God wants to fill in our lives. Maybe it's a lifestyle that you're living, and you know clearly that it goes against what God desires for you, and yet, because you're so attached to it, you continue to allow it to take up room in your life and the things that take up room in our lives begin to leave no room for God. And we can try to walk around it. It's the elephant in the room. It's the camel in the room that we can try to walk around, that we can try to just avoid and just pretend it's not there. And yet its presence is so felt and so glaring and just screaming in our lives that it is the thing that has taken up room. And Jesus is willing to go there to address the real issue with this man. And Jesus knew that until he could fully renounce everything that he had, that he could never fully follow Jesus. Another way to say it is this for, for us today, listening to this is this, that you can experience all that God has for you if God doesn't have all of you. You will never experience all that God has for you if God doesn't have all of you. And we can sometimes say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give God some of my life. Or I'm going to give God most of my life. And he goes through a list of all these things that he's done. I've kept the commandments. I've done this. I've done all these things. And Jesus says, yes, you've done all of that. But the reality is I still don't have all of you. 
And Jesus, as the king that he is, is not happy to, he's not content to settle for anything than all of, anything less than all of us. And you and I will never experience the whole life that he has for us, the intimacy that he desires for us, the incredible journey that he calls us to go on with him if he does not have all of us because all of these other things in our lives are taking up the room that he intends to have in our lives. And it all begins with addressing the actual camel in the room, room and being willing to admit when these things have become challenges for us. And so can I ask you, maybe if you're here, what is, it, what is the real obstacle in your life? That is the actual camel that is taking up room in your life and you know it. And most likely in this moment, God might be speaking to you right now, calling that thing to mind, revealing that thing to you. And maybe in his grace, he's inviting you into something greater today to actually begin to address that, address the camel in the room. Number two, if I'm going to follow Jesus and make room for him, what does it take? It takes learning lessons, taking lessons from my toddler. Taking lessons from my toddler is what it requires to actually make room in your life for God. Take a look at verse 26. It says, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we've left our homes and everything, and we followed you. Those who were listening are kind of confused, like, man, if you're presenting this impossible situation, a camel going through the eye of a needle, then none of us have any hope. And Jesus reminds them, it really just is that simple. It just requires childlike faith and just listening to God and obeying him and believing him and trusting in him and willing, being willing to abandon everything to follow him. It really is that simple. And we're in a season right now with our kids where I'm just learning so much about God because of my kids. They're teaching me so much about my relationship with God. So there are five, four, and one. And you know, parents, you have some of those days where like the kids are just not listening and it's a challenging day. You're having to discipline them a lot. Any parents in the room? Can I get an amen? Yeah, exactly. My kids are not the only ones. And you have some of those days. So we had a day like that several weeks ago. And at the end of the day, I go to put them to bed. And our kids always do this thing because they, their rooms are right across the hallway from each other. And they are like really close with one another. So they just love getting out of the room, going to the other person's room. And next thing you know, it, you've put them to bed. But then they start playing and then they get loud. You have to go there, put them back to bed again for like the fifth time. And so this one particular day, we've had a challenging day. I've been trying to put them to bed already. They're still not listening. So I go downstairs and I'm cleaning and I keep hearing footsteps upstairs. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They got out again. And so I go up there and I figure out that the noise is coming from my daughter, Ava's room, who's five. And uh, normally what I would do in that situation is go Kool-Aid man on them. Bust through the door and go, hey, what are you doing? Go back to your, you know, go back to bed, whatever it is. And for whatever reason, this time, I didn't do that. I don't know what it was, but I just stopped when I got to the front of her door and uh, just wanted to listen to what was happening. And as I began to listen to what was happening in her room, I realized she wasn't just playing with her brother or whatever it is. She was actually praying, walking around the room and moving things around. And she was just saying things like, Jesus, thank you so much for my brother. Thank you for my cousins. Thank you for helping us have a good day. Thank you for my mommy and daddy. And she's running around the room and I'm hearing all this commotion in there. She's just talking to Jesus. And then she said this, which is what brought me to tears when I heard her say this. She said, and thank you, Jesus. You are the best Jesus ever. Oh man, it, it, just in that moment, I, I had to stop and just wipe the tears away, 
go in there and say, hey, Ava, were you, were you just praying now? She said, yeah, I was just talking to Jesus. And I said, okay, well, when you're done talking to Jesus, uh, will you go to sleep after that? Because we got to go to school tomorrow. And, you know, parents, sometimes it's so hard. You know, you go through trying to raise your kids and teaching them about God. And you sometimes just are wondering, like, is this even getting through to them or not? And then you have those moments like that. And man, it just fills you with so much hope knowing that God is pursuing them. And even at that young age, they can actually understand the gospel because the kingdom of God is for those who are like little children that are willing to just hear God, to believe him, and to obey him. And the reason why my daughter was praying and saying, thank you, Jesus, you're the best Jesus ever, isn't because she's lived through all these big challenges in her life and has seen God come through for her or lived through a sickness or whatever it is. She's only had five years on this planet that she can even barely remember. She's barely lived any life at all. But the reason why she knew that Jesus is the best Jesus ever is because her parents told her so, because her church family told her so, and she was just willing to believe it. And the whole reason why she could even talk to Jesus is because we taught her that, hey, you can just talk to Jesus and he'll just hear you and listen to you if you just talk to him. And I just think there's something so powerful about having that childlike faith and just obeying God. It's just so simple. And here's what I find is that the older we get and the more we know and the more life we've lived through, the more we tend to complicate following Jesus sometimes. So when Jesus says, why don't you go sell all that you have? And come and follow me. We go, well, Jesus, you, you don't really understand. Like, I have, like, I have, like, re retirement I got to think about. And I don't know where my next meal is going to come from and all these things. And sometimes we just forget the simple childlike faith that he's calling us to have. That it really is that simple. You know what my kids don't worry about? They don't worry about how we're going to pay the bills. In fact, they leave every light on in my house that I have to go around them, go after them, turn every light off. They're not worried about the economy and what the economy is doing. They're not worried about the property values in our area. They're not worried about who's going to win the elections next year. They can simply just live their lives and they have so much joy and so much peace all because of this. Because my kids know that they have a mom and dad who love them who care for them, and that's good enough for them. And listen, the same is true for you. That you have a heavenly father who loves you so much, who cares for you, and listen, that is good enough for you. So whatever it is that he's calling you to renounce and to give up, to make more room for more of him in your life, to trust that he's able to meet every need that you have, who probably was successful, he was smart, he knew a lot, he did a lot, acquired all this wealth, probably was a self-sufficient, self-reliant person. And for that person, he's having a hard time understanding the simple truth of the kingdom of heaven. If you and I are going to make room for God in our lives and truly follow him and obey him and experience all that he has for us, it begins with just simply having that childlike faith that he's calling us to have. That when he commands it, we obey it. It really just is that simple. And I think we've overcomplicated it sometimes and we begin to find all these different reasons for why we can't obey God. And I think sometimes the reasons why we don't make room for God is because we don't trust that he has something better for us. We don't trust that he has something better for us. So we say this, well, if I give up, if I give up this thing in my life, I'm going to miss out on something. 
Well, if I make room for God in my life and I get rid of this thing in my life that maybe he's calling me to get rid of, then my life is going to be empty. My life is going to be boring. And over and over again, it's like, no, God is calling us to make room for more of him because he has something so much greater for us. And if you make room for him, he wants to fill that room with so much more in your life. And I'm not just talking about stuff, but I'm talking about he wants to do something in your life, in your relationship with him, like he's never done before. But yet so many of us, we just don't make room for him. And we don't realize this, that every single time that you make room for God, that he fills it. So if you read the Old Testament, when they're experiencing this discovery or relationship with God and God is revealing himself to them and they set up this tabernacle or this tent of gathering for God and his presence comes and fills that space and when they build the temple again, God's presence comes in and fills the space. When man makes room for God, he fills it every single time. And here's the reality. If you make room for him in your life and he fills it with more of him, more of him is far greater than anything else that you can fill your life with. More of God in your life is far greater than anything else that you can fill your life with. That's why if you're going to make room for him, what is it going to require? Number three, if you're taking notes, to set your sights on the kingdom, not the camel. To set your sights on the kingdom, not the camel. My kids are really good at teaching me a lot of things about life and about my relationship with God. You know what my kids are really not good at? Teaching me about the real value of things. They, they just don't know like what the real value of things you know, are. So uh, when we were getting ready to have Ava, who's our firstborn, I remember you're a first-time parent and they tell you, you need like a hundred different things to bring a baby into this world. And then you end up finding out that you needed maybe less than half of those things that they told you and all the different toys and you need like 20 different kinds of pacifiers. And then you know what the babies always do? They end up playing with the water bottle instead. And you're like, I spent all this money and all this stuff and you're, you want to play with an empty water bottle? Like, okay, I guess. But because for kids, they just don't know the real value of things. And I think if we're going to pursue God and make room in our lives for him, it begins with actually realizing the true value of the kingdom, that the kingdom and what God is calling us to is far greater than any type of camel that you can hold on to in this life. So they go on in verse 29. Then Jesus says this to them. He says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. See, I think we're childlike in that way in our faith sometimes that we begin to hold on to these things that are just earthly things right now that we want to fill our lives with, not realizing that God has an entire kingdom that he's promised us. That we're just happy to play with the, the water bottle when God is saying, man, I've got an entire kingdom for you. And I think that when this rich ruler, when he heard Jesus said to him, go sell everything that you have, Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. I think what he heard was, go give away everything that you have and become broke. I think that's what he heard. So he's like, Jesus, how, how could you ask me to do that? And sometimes we can begin to hear what Jesus is saying to us, what God is saying to us through the lenses of the idol that we're holding onto in our lives. Not realizing, man, he's calling us to something so much greater that he wants to do in our lives. And he heard Jesus telling him, go give away everything that you have, become broke. But what Jesus actually said to him was, go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, meaning live a life of impact. 
where your wealth is not just serving you and your own selfish needs, but give away everything that you have to make a difference and bless somebody else. Jesus said this to him, you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. That's what Jesus was actually inviting him into. And I think oftentimes in our lives, we just say, well, but Jesus, I really like my stuff. Like, you, you don't understand. And I think oftentimes we choose other things over God because we tend to be more earthly minded than we are kingdom minded. We choose other things over God because we're so earthly minded more than we are eternity minded. And if you think about it, for the average person, if you're going to live 70, 80, 90, maybe even 100 years, in the grand scheme of things compared to eternity, the life that we have here on this earth is just a speck of dust. And yes, so many of us look at the things of this world and we begin to hold on to them and we allow for those things to take up the room that God wants to have in our lives. And we begin to not realize that, man, he's calling us into something so much greater when he's asking us to make room and to maybe renounce some things to follow him. And Jesus is telling them that everything that you've given up for my sake, you will receive so much more. Because it's an entire kingdom that he's promising them. And sometimes in our lives, what we tend to do when we don't realize the real value of what God is calling us into, we settle for the sin that gives us pleasure right now in the moment rather than finding fulfillment in God and in obeying him. We can settle for the distraction in the moment rather than spending life-giving time with God and going deeper in our relationship with him and worshiping him and reading his word. And we can begin to spend our time and talent and treasures on things that serve us rather than using everything that he's given us to bless other people, to live a life of impact and to please God in the process of doing that. Because we're so earthly minded more than being eternity minded. And we begin to act like my children do. We uh, overlook everything that God is offering us. And we say, I'm just happy with this water bottle right now. And we focus on the camel that is in front of us, not realizing God is inviting us to be a part of the kingdom. And I think for many of us, it stems out of this. It stems out of this gospel that we have bought into. We've bought into what I call the and gospel. What do I mean by that? The and gospel says this. I can have a little bit of Jesus in my life and I can pursue God and I also want to have everything else in my life that I want to pursue. And many of us have bought into that and we're just thinking, well, I can go, I can go have a relationship with Jesus and follow God and obey, maybe do uh, this part of my life over here, but I also want the freedom to live my life however I want. I want to follow Jesus, but also there's this sin over here in my life that is so appealing that I want to follow. I want to give my life to Jesus and call him the Lord of my life. But yes, I, I want to go also pursue whatever career, use my money and my time and my talent, my treasure to do whatever I want to do with it. And we begin to buy into this and gospel in our lives. What we forget to realize is this, as I've seen it in my own life, is that the and in our life always turns into instead. The and in our life always turns into instead that maybe it's a relationship that you began to pursue that you knew wasn't the right relationship for you, that you knew maybe God wasn't approving of because it would pull you away from God. And you said, well, I can just have this relationship and still have my relationship over here with Jesus. And before you know it, that person begins to pull you away from your faith more and more. Maybe they're encouraging you to do things that are going against what God has commanded you to do. Maybe they're beginning to pull your time away from church more and more. So now you're maybe out late on Saturday nights doing whatever you want to do. So you're not showing up to church on Sunday, removing you from community. 
Maybe it's a time that you were using in your free time to go serve people. Now that you're spending on this relationship, before you know it, this thing in your life that you thought you could have and also go deeper with your relationship with God actually becomes the thing that you have instead of a relationship with Jesus. The and in our life often turns into instead. And there was a time in my life when I thought in the same way, okay, Jesus, thank you for saving me and I want to live for you, but I also want to go do whatever I want to do with my career and my life. And God just convicted me of that and said, no, I don't want some of you. I don't want most of you. I want all of you if you want to experience everything that I have for you. And let me tell you that I would not be where I'm at today in my relationship with God, in my calling, in the kind of life that I have if it wasn't for choosing to say, okay, God, if you're calling me to do this, to surrender this thing, to have you instead of this thing in my life, then I want to surrender that. And man, has he done so much in my life just by that simple act of obedience. So maybe you're in here today and you're hearing this and maybe you feel conviction in the moment. What I love so much about our God and how much he loves us and his grace and his mercy for us is that when he convicts us, it isn't to condemn us, it's to call us to something greater that he has for us. And to realize this, that as we're talking about making room in our lives for God, that it means that some of us, we're going to have to go there with him. We're going to have to go there. What do I mean by that? Sometimes many of us, I think we tend to treat church or we tend to treat our relationship with God like the family gatherings that we're going to have. We tend to say, just avoid every controversial topic that there is. Talk about everything else that we can talk about. Oh yeah, the weather's great today. Oh yeah, how about those colds? Yeah, let's talk about sports and everything else. And we tend to avoid some of the real issues that if we were actually to go there in our relationship with God, that he would take us somewhere in our walk with him that maybe we've never been before, that we would learn to trust him like never before. But it all begins with being willing to actually go there with him. It's like, you know, sometimes we can get together in some of our groups even. And I've been a part of groups like this. And, you know, your men sitting around, gathering around. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm a dude and I struggle with lust. It's like, yeah, thanks for telling me the sun is out today. Right? And we tend to tell people just the obvious things that we think they already know about us. Like we're okay to talk about, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a guy, I struggle with lust. But we're unwilling to go there. And to talk about maybe the anger that is in our lives and how maybe that's been coming up in abusive ways towards our spouse at home. We're willing to talk about, here's my last thing that I assume you already know about, but I'm unwilling to talk about how money has become an idol in my life. We're willing to talk about everything else and all these things that I assume you already know, but we're unwilling to go there to admit that, man, if I'm being honest, I've been living my life selfishly, not actually pursuing Jesus. And he's inviting us, every single one of us in this season to actually go there with him. And I know that it's scary because it's going to reveal some things to us about our lives that could be maybe ugly parts of our lives that we've kept hidden for so long. But listen, when you go there, that's where growth begins to happen. And what I love about Jesus is that you might be afraid to go there with Jesus, but he's not afraid to go there with you. In his grace and in his mercy, he's just calling you to something so much greater he has for you. Because when God goes there with us, it's an invitation to something greater. Maybe you're in this room right now and you're listening to this. 
and you're saying, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic, I'm just exploring this whole Jesus thing. I don't even know what I believe. Or maybe you're a Christian who wants to grow in their faith. That's probably most of us in this room. We want to just go deeper in our walk with him. And maybe you're a Christian that's just walking through a difficult season right now, a desert season in your life. And you just feel like, man, I'm just walking through the darkness. And I just want to hear from God and just experience his presence. Maybe you're a Christian who's wandered far away from God and you're just returning to him today. Listen, he wants to go there with every single one of us today to actually begin to deal with the real issue in our life and to address the camel in the room because he wants to call you to something greater. For some of you to a relationship with himself for the first time ever. For some of you to grow in your walk with him in a way that you've never experienced before. For some of you, he's revealing right now in this moment that he's going there with you. He's revealing to you that that little baby cute pet camel that you adopted when it was just a baby is now a full-grown camel in your life. And guess what? That camel is now taking up all the room in your life. It's had some babies. It's got a whole family living in your heart right now. And you don't even realize it. And it's pushing out God out of your life. And he just wants for you to surrender that to him today because he has something so much greater for you. And listen, my desire for you is to not miss out on the life that God has for you. Because that's what this rich ruler that we read about, he missed out on. An amazing life that he could have had. Think about the disciples who said, man, we, we left everything behind and we came and we followed you, Jesus. They got to live, to eat, to walk with God himself for three years of their lives. Think about all the amazing experiences that they got to be a part of. Not that their lives were easy. Many of them were persecuted. They were executed for their faith. But because of their obedience following Jesus, literally they changed our entire world and lived a life that they could have never had apart from Jesus. And it all began with saying yes to him, making room in their lives for him and obeying him when he called them to make room and to simply follow him. So can I just challenge some of you and encourage you to go there with him today? That what the rich young ruler didn't understand was Jesus wasn't calling him to give up everything that he has to become broke and a beggar. Jesus was calling him to experience Acts chapter 2 that you read about and it says all the people who believed had everything in common. People were selling properties. They were coming, laying it down at the feet of the apostles. And here's what I love. It says this, that nobody among them had a need. And it says this, that signs and wonders were being performed. They're literally seeing miracles happen in their lifetime. Thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus. That is what the rich ruler, he missed out on all because he was willing to hold on to a few camels that he had, that he missed out on the kingdom. So can I just invite you today to go there with Jesus, to admit what, what is it in my life that actually has become the obstacle that's getting in the way of me experiencing more of him in my life and keeping him from using me the way that he wants to use me and maybe causing me to live a life of disobedience when he's calling me to be obedient and to go deeper with him and to see him provide for you like he's never before, to see him deepen your faith like never before, to see him teach you to trust him like never before. He wants to do all of that in your life and it all begins with making room in your life for him. Will you pray with me? Father, we just pause right now and we just ask you, God, to continue to speak to us. God, and some that are listening to this right now who might not even have a relationship with you. And they don't even know how amazing it is to have a relationship with you. God, to know you, the God of the universe. And maybe they're holding on to that thing in their life 
like the rich young ruler that we just read about that is keeping them from experiencing the life that you have for them. God, I pray and ask that as we're talking about making room for you, that you would convict them and would you show them what that thing is? And God, would you call them into something greater, into a relationship with you? And maybe for most of us in the room right now, listening to this, who are believers and God, we've just allowed for different things to begin to take up the room that you intend to have in our lives. And God, I know this, that you still are not done with us yet, that there's so much more that you want to do in and through us. And God, it all begins with making room for you to move in our lives. So I just pray that whatever it is we're holding on to today, that it's taking up your room in our lives, that we would just surrender that, lay that down at your feet and find that you're able to do something so much greater to give us a life that we could have never imagined possible. We surrender to you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.